0: Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. This is episode 81. I'm Christina Sousama, your host for this program. Thank you so much for joining me as I continue to explore the wonderful world of healing arts, meditation, therapies, and the many modalities of helping each of us find balance in our individual journeys. We're always excited to meet those who are on the leading edge of creating change on this planet. Now, at any time during this presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. Or if you are listening to this as a podcast, you are very, very um, welcome to call into our line at 818 Let's Talk. 818 Let's Talk, which is 818 538 7825. Today's show is Sexless Relationships. Our special guest, Jennifer Rassiopi, a woman's health coach. She shows women how to take supreme care of their hormonal and emotional health so they can create the best lives. Trained at Duke Integrative Medicine and the Whole Being Institute, founded by Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar, who is a leading Harvard positive psychology expert. Jennifer specializes in behavior change and peak performance. She is a certified holistic health counselor and a registered yoga teacher. Currently, she is working on a memoir and a self help book. Let us welcome Jennifer Rasiopi. Hello. Hello, Jennifer. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for that introduction. It was lovely. Thank you so much for honoring us today. Jennifer, Uh, there's so much to talk about. I'm sure people are going, (laughs) what sexist relationships? I've heard about that or I'm living in that. Um, But before we really get into that, Jennifer, can you let our audience know a little bit about your history and your background and what brought you to where you're at today?
1: Sure. So, um, uh, yeah, so I work in women's health, obviously, as you described, and my journey here was one of... um, Healing my own issues. Um, At a really young age, I unfortunately went through gynecological cancer and um, treatments for such, which opened me up to a path of healing and health and well being and really being on an authentic path in my own life and um, living, breathing, eating health as much as I possibly could in response to having gone through a really traumatic um, illness at a fairly young age. I was 18 when I was first diagnosed. (laughs) Um, and, uh, on my authentic journey, I found myself working in corporate, um, and a really great corporation that's one of the best top rated for women, um, doing really well there climbing the corporate ladder and actually for the most part, enjoying my job, um, and as I further immersed myself in this culture, I began noticing an epidemic where, um, the women I were working with weren't necessarily happy. Mm-hmm. Um, they were under a lot of stress. They were feeling really compromised in their roles as mothers or, you know, really conflicted about advancing their careers or taking on more responsibility at home. And the women who were trying to do both, um, seemed really compromised in a lot of core key ways. And simultaneously. Um, really invested in uh, the success of women and my own personal success. So here I was climbing the corporate ladder, so to speak, um, and just noticing ways of which I wasn't really jiving with corporate life, like some you know, practical things that I do to take really good care of myself so I can operate in peak performance and optimal health. Began to feel really compromised by the crushing stress of the post-2008 corporate financial world. And um, it began to really impact me and my motivation to be there. And I began to just get this idea, well, there's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way to do business, a way to do business that both honors um, one's own unique strengths and love and passion for what they're doing while simultaneously using the body as an instrument to further a personal mission or business mission or, or a a company mission. Um, And I just got really curious about that. Like, are we really, you know, doing everything we can to create organizations and business structures that allow us to both be healthy and successful? Mm -hmm. And that um, promoted me to further invest in my own education um, with regards to my knowledge and understanding of health and well-being. And I initially went and got trained as a yoga teacher, which was really fun. And my yoga training was completely in endocrine health um, the chakra system and, and, um, endocrine health. And then from there that, that just lit me up. And I was like, well, I want to know more. So I became an, um, an Ayurvedic nutritionist. And at this time I realized like, okay, there's an exit strategy I need to have here. I need to transition out of this and into my own work, my own business where I could be doing this more fully. And that's when I went and I got certified at Duke, um, integrative medicine to be an integrative medicine behavior change specialist and integrative health coach. And then I followed that up with positive psychology and, you know, and I basically blended both my life experience of having gone through cancer at a really young age and consequently menopause before I turned 20 and my wow. distinct love of health and well being. With now my understanding of and a lot of experience in business around um, what creates optimal performance, what creates peak performance, what creates strong well being in the workplace. And I began to bridge the two and that's how I created my business.
0: Mm, magnificent. That's uh, quite a journey you went through at such a young age. It's almost like the universe said, okay, well, we need you to grow up really fast. Really fast. Really fast, really right? Really fast. <laughs> Experiences really fast, really young, and wow, for you to even rebalance. Because that's, I mean, it's quite a shift for women. Menopause uh, is, qu- well, cancer is quite yeah. a shift at any time and any age. But menopause, that usually hits women in their late 40s, you know, 50s. Yeah. But to have that all compile right. by the time you're 20.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was a sophomore in college. Um How
0: did you even focus?
1: <laughs> I mean- well, it's a it's a really good question. I you know, like I went from being um a really high-achieving, earnest student who, who, you know, was a bit of a perfectionist to some degree, but um, you know, also a, a really good student to like not really being able to function, you know, I went and I, you know, I think we should just back up and just say, that I didn't know I was go- I went through menopause. No one told me that that yes. was going to be the result of my cure of cancer is that I was ultimately going to be in this late stage, predi- late, later stage of life predicament. Um, so I was really confused. I mean, I was mm. super confused and it was my sophomore year of college. Um, and I, you know, was really determined to make it through and determined to keep a really high GPA and determined, you know, to, um, to keep my life consistent with who I was. But the reality was is that I had changed so much Mm -hmm. as a result of what I went through and was still discovering so much of what I had gone through Mm. that there was a break in my education. I definitely had to take some time off and, um, I moved to the West Coast, I moved to California, to San Diego, and I really invested in my health and well-being for a while. I ended up finishing college in California, up in San Francisco, and it was a big, big transition in my life. Um, And It wasn't even until several years later that I was able to say, oh, that that was menopause. That's what that was. That's (laughs) what those hot flashes were, and anxiety was, Mm. and my complete and total disorientation to my gender and my inability to fit in, in social sur- 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 situations and my um, mental fatigue. And I mean, there was quite a bit that I went through and I, it wasn't, you know, I would say you live life forward and you understand it backwards. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't really understand what I was going through at the time, but I just little by little learned to really listen to my intuition and trust that. And that just led me through um, these changes and on a great path of healing.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, it's the that is uh, quite the journey, as I said. And uh blessed be that that you've come out to be such an incredible, well balanced, well rounded being. And uh it's it's interesting how you're thrown into this sort of um ah, this sort of well and you've kind of climbed out of it all refreshed and, and now sharing sharing with so many and healing so many and helping others find that balance. That's magnificent.
1: Thank you. You know, I couldn't really do it any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really in my, in my understanding, in my making sense of my life, um, you know, that this was all a part of a bigger, a bigger purpose and that, you know, having gone through that, I'm in a situation where I can really translate both my experience and my technical expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, to facilitate this conversation around helping women feel great in their bodies um, on fire in their you know professional or personal lives who however they define success for themselves and um, and really um, in a in a situation in their life where they're experiencing Gr- a great relationship with their endocrine system, their hormonal yes. health and and you know and and to segue into what our topic is today, sexless relationships, having a really um wonderful relationship with themselves uh, and really understanding who they are from a sexual perspective so that they can have enhanced pleasure um, a better relationship with their stress, and all the beautiful health benefits that come from really knowing who they are sexually and having a great relationship with that aspect of their lives.
0: Yes. 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 I agree with you. Oh, so, so coming to our topic. Yeah. What is a sexless relationship? What is considered a sexless relationship?
1: Yes, yeah, So a sexless relationship is a relationship where uh, couple's having sex um, 10 or fewer times per year. So it's not a completely sex-less relationship. Like, sex is still happening, but the frequency is, um, uh, you know, once a month-ish, but tep- typically 10 mm. to fewer times per year.
0: Mm. Wow. Wow. And and uh, when did they do this study? When, when were these numbers brought out, like, um, that people were... Actually, focused on it?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know the exact question of that. I can totally look into that and we could, um, you know, maybe keep it in the notes underneath the show. I can get yes. that back to you. But I do know in the, um, you know, the mid 2000s, this became mm-hmm. a, a hot topic and it's really stayed on the minds of many um, who work in this industry um, pretty preeminently. You know, there's a lot of women's um, health experts out there really promoting the benefits of pleasure, um, the benefits of play, the pl- benefits of, um, really understanding your sexuality as a way to promote, um, women's empowerment. So mm-hmm. it is, it is a little, um, it's talked about quite a bit, a These days, and you know, I really started seeing it pop on the scene around mid 2000s, but I can totally look into um, the dates that these research studies were done.
0: Right, right. It it almost seems like, like the time, you know, like uh, 30 years ago or so, most women, it was still. You know, you get married, you stay home, you look after the children, right. and of course, with uh, well, the eighties come along, and then the nineties, and and more and more women are going to the work field. They're having children much later in their life, yep, as a choice. Um, yep. And of course, coming onto the workforce, many women out there have experienced what I have, and possibly you have, and and which is, you just have to work that bit more to prove uh-huh. yourself to sort uh-huh. of make a stand for yourself depending on what um uh what uh career you've chosen like like the women who have gone went into like engineering and <laughs> whereas like predominantly men they right. really had to step up to the plate even much more so and and hold a stand and hold themselves As is and keep up and push themselves further. I mean, it was very clear since the mid 80s that more and more of this was happening. More and more women weren't having, even contemplating having children until they were late 30s, Mm. you know, late 30s, early 40s. I mean, do you, do you feel, I mean, to me, I see sort of like an alignment with the two.
1: Yeah you know that I mean, yeah i mean women's advancement in the workplace the need for women to prove themselves in the workplace the need for women to negotiate um their role in life whether they want to be a mother or have a career or have a career and be a mother um and then you know this um trend towards delaying childhood till after one has a successful established career, childbirth till one has a successful and established career is only growing. And then simultaneously, there are a couple other things that I was thinking of when you were talking about that. One is, you know, we are living longer where our longevity is extending. We're delaying. Typically women are delaying, um, childbearing, um, more than they have before, but simultaneously we're under greater levels of stress. So hence we're, we're in many ways aging faster as a result. Um, so, so, so that's something that is definitely, um, a hot topic for the here and now. And then simultaneously, Mm -hmm. another thing that happened in the, um, in the early two thousands, I think it was 2002 or 2003 is that we got, um, A lot of results back about the um, the controversy of hormone replacement therapy too Mm. uh, for women who were approaching menopause or in menopause, and I think that um, because of that controversy with the Women's Health Health Initiative study, that there were a lot of women who also simultaneously came immediately off of any hormone replacement therapy they were on, um, which may have also uh, triggered. a, a decreased libido, which could have, and I don't know, it's just mm-hmm. something I'm just thinking about out loud, have influenced this trend as well.
0: Right, right. Well, so many changes. I mean, <clears throat> uh, d- uh, fewer children in each family. Um, the the whole shift. It, it's a huge paradigm shift in the past fifteen years that's been happening. Uh, yeah. So when when this happens, like like we. Work, longer hours, we have yep. a different focus. Yep. So this all starts to beat down on our bodies, on our minds, on our spirits. Do we yeah. even know that? Do we even know? I mean, like not having a high libido, mm-hmm. um, it's almost about, it's the manifestation of all this, all these stresses or stressors on us.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, so work-life balance and career stress stress in and of itself is definitely an impact on it definitely impacts libido. Um, you know, adrenal fatigue will certainly impact libido. Um, not enough time. Um, not like literally no freedom in your life to really feel like you have the ability to indulge in that definitely impacts um, the, the woman's libido specifically and, and the man's libido too, but also for women, um, a sluggish thyroid could be, um, influencing this. And again, there are relationships between stress and all of the endocrine function. But to get to your question, um, do we even realize this is happening? And I would say in a lot of cases, no, you know, in a lot of cases, it just might not be a priority. There could be, um, You know, in addition to career stress, family stress, childcare responsibilities, other medical issues that are interfering with sexual functioning or desire, um, you know, there could be anger issues in a relationship too. You know, emotional issues that are popping up between um, two partners. There can Mm. be infidelity issues as well, Um, and and I think the the bigger issue is is that. It's just understanding what was the sexual tempo at the beginning? Where are you now? Some relationships were never um, necessary. you know, everyone has a different frequency of which they enjoy sex. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. there's a range of which sex is appropriate for a couple. It doesn't, you know, I, I've had clients ask me like, well, what's the norm? How many times <laughs> should I be having right. sex? You know, like, cause I, is it, it's every day or is it every other day? Is that the norm? And the answer is no. The norm is, um, it's what, what feels good for you? You know, mm-hmm. what, what is satisfying for you? What, what makes you feel like you're, this is an active part of your life rather than a passive part of your life that's really being put on hold. Mm-hmm. So it's really, um, self-directed. Um, and there's, there's so many things that could be influencing, um, sexual desire and the experience of sex. Oh, and the one thing I didn't mention is um, unrealistic expectations too. Mm -hmm. You know, unrealistic expectations around what um, constitutes desire, um, needing to feel, you know, like the fantasy about what great sex will look like or how it should come into play in a relationship Mm. uh, also influences the frequency and and the enjoyability of sex.
0: Mm, That's a very good point you just brought up. Mm-hmm. which is it's almost like the fantasy that we hold. Yeah, yeah. Right? It, like, and uh our media doesn't help, does it? <laughs> no. Uh, you know, our media just does not help us in that way because it just kind of blows up what those what it should be like, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> the fantasy, you know, the fantasy of the perfect relationship or the perfect sexual experience or um the perfect work-life balance scenario or the Mm. perfect vacation. You know, there's a lot of, you know, as you know, life, life is going to throw a lot at us hard and fast any given day. And a lot of it's, it's just like never going to be perfect. And are Mm -hmm. we okay with that? And we, can we make do? And so, um, that, yeah, there's a, there's some, in some ways that there's a fantasy around what the perfect sex life Mm -hmm. would be, or could be, or what the perfect sexual experience is and what the perfect turn on is and how one would feel prior to initiating sex or while sex is being initiated. And the reality is, is that, um, Sometimes it really is just making a commitment to doing it and allowing the process to bring you to your ideal state as opposed to needing to be in your ideal state to have the ideal experience, if that makes sense.
0: Hmm. It does make sense. It does make sense. I, I mean, I had to stop and think about that for just a minute. <laughs> um, so, So, I mean... I want to, I mean, I want to say it must be affecting both genders because, you know, if it affects one, it's definitely going to affect the partner.
1: Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, so there, you know, sexless relationships are not um, relegated to either men or women. It's, it, it is a relationship. But it is an intimacy issue, um, you know, for heteronormative relationships, of course, Um you know, as I was saying before, my specialty really is women. So I look mm-hmm. at this particularly as a woman's health issue, but absolutely there are um, men dealing with uh, low sex drive, um, at, an inability to connect in that way, a discomfort around connecting that way. That impacts the relationship for the woman, on the other hand, who does may have a very healthy libido and desire. Um, and it's definitely affecting both genders for sure. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so the balance is, is between two people. The balance uh-huh. is two, between two people, of course. And, and, you know, we all ebb and flow in life. And mm-hmm. so sometimes we're on a bit of a high in some areas and a little bit of a low in another area. Um, I mean, what I, I, this is such an important topic because we hear that, um, the sexual drive is so important. Uh-huh. And I do believe there's like this, mm, the stigma that f- on the male side through the many years that oh if you cannot perform right right there's something wrong with you hence why all these wonderful viagras and things like that have <laughs> come mm-hmm. on the market and then um so so with men is a little bit of a stigma with right. women we really haven't heard a lot yeah you know in the in the years because it's almost it's like mom's the word this is like this is behind closed doors. We Women don't speak out about sex because it's not right to speak out about it. Now, do you think that also affects us, like has something on on what's happening today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, it's a really good point just to acknowledge what you're saying is that, you know, women, yeah, aren't necessarily getting around the table and talking about sex. So, I mean, a, my, a lot of times my girlfriends and I will, but I know that typically that that's not a normal everyday conversation for women to be having and, um, you know, are we, are we not talking about this or, you know, the other implication of what you said there was, are we waiting for the man to initiate? Are Mm -hmm. we waiting for, um, the man to stimulate both the conversation or the experience? And I think that that's a really interesting, um, area of this conversation to explore because you know as women and at least my philosophy is that it's our responsibility to turn ourselves on to be um to know our bodies to uh, have that relationship with our bodies where we know what works for us what doesn't work for us in a very physical way but also to be in a in a point in our lives where we're able to um turn ourselves on emotionally or, you know, enjoy what we're doing enough or make changes enough in our lives or deal with our traumas and our emotional issues, um, so that we are in a place where we have that control is not the right word, but Mm -hmm. connection, you Mm -hmm. know, connection Mm -hmm. to ourselves where we can command, um, our own sexual response and our own pleasure response. Cause this is more than about sex. It's about sensuality, which I mm-hmm. think is very different than sexuality. Yes. And I think that this is about pleasure and enjoyment and play. And we as women are built for a tremendous amount of pleasure, enjoyment and play on a physical level. Our mm-hmm. bodies are geared towards that. And I think for women, you know, there are emotion. a lot of women have had emotional traumas and sexual traumas, um, earlier in their lives or even recently in their lives at any stage this happens. Um, and that's unfortunately, um, more common than we'd like, Um, and other, you know, in other cases, women are also, you know, suffering from body image issues, weight Mm, gain, potential depression, um, and a lot of self-deprecating behaviors, which may then have women projected as a male, as a men's male issue, as opposed to their own issue. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, I'll raise my hand here. I, I was raised with this sort of fantasy that, you know, there was going to be a Prince Charming of some sort or that there was going to be some sort of, um, I don't know. So, you know, that I could be more passive in certain areas of my life. And, um, and I, I know that that is, is in the, in in the female psychology on many levels. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that also plays into, into this conversation.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm right with you on that. It's, um, everything I've heard you say, uh, really brings to me, uh, you know, like throwing it all into a funnel. It's like our Mm self-empowerment, you know, it's, it's everything you've just said about, you know, we need to take that responsibility. Mm -hmm. We need to make that move. And, and it is, uh, it is, I, I can speak very well onto, you know, running a business and having, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, raising a child and, and, uh, uh, being, you know, just wrapped up in all these different areas and, you know, day and night and seven days a week. It is the point where, where we all, we have to empower ourselves to go, okay, this hour's for me or this mm-hmm. half hour's for me or something as such. Yeah. You know, um, and, and everything you said is so true and so right about our upbringing or our culture, our society that, that it is up to the, the partner. It is up to the other individual. Mm. You know, I hear that as well.
1: Yeah. And, then you know, in some ways that, that could keep us in a victim role mm-hmm. or in a, in a, in a compromised position where we're not necessarily owning our, our strength or our ability to create what it is we really desire. So I think that that is, is a, a piece of the puzzle. I think that um, sexuality is so nuanced and so complicated and there's so many different threads and it's so subjective that, um, you know, for every person it's different, but to you, to your point around, you know, really creating personal time and honoring, um, yourself and honoring your passion and your creativity across board, across the board in your life as something that's worthwhile and, um, relevant to your health is huge because if we're not turning ourselves on in our own lives, just on the day to day, by what we're doing, what we're thinking, how we're treating ourselves, what we're believing about ourselves, how we're embracing our healing, how we're embracing our lives and our families. It's, you know, it's, it's going to show up in other places, Mm -hmm. hence the bedroom too.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely now um jen i there there is so much uh from the outside that is affecting us and now we've kind of come into what's internally <laughs> how we're brought up you know it's like it's like this mesh of of um in different degrees of the possibilities of what is hindering and what is affecting yeah. us and um but because i mean it, wh- why Okay. Why is it so important for us to have a sexual relationship? Ah, so this is the fun part. (laughs) (laughs) We got to fix all this, right? We got to, we got to fix this. We got to become aligned. We got to strengthen our inner core and who we are. We have to empower ourselves. Now, why is it so important that, you know, sex, which, mum was always the word for many, many years. Women weren't supposed to talk about it. Of course, they have these great shows that came out, Sex in the City, where it is about a group of women. It just came to my head, a group of women sitting around talking about their sexual encounters, etc. But that's Mm -hmm. still also part in fantasy land. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That doesn't always work in our lives, does it? Um, Now, now why is it so important? Why is it so important for us to have sex? Well,
1: sex... I mean, and that's just brought on the topic. It's really, we're talking about pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about pleasurable experiences. We're talking about peak experiences. We're talking about um, times in our lives where we're so raptured in what we're doing that we're in a flow state, right? So we're we're not thinking about our email or we're not thinking about the next thing we need to do. We're really ple- um, present to a sensual experience of joy. And if we look at our our lives in general you know with and we look at the typical life of a woman who's really overgiving in so many areas of her life, not prioritizing herself, prioritizing everybody else, pleasure's probably the one thing that's lacking the most across the board and so as we're talking about the benefits of sex and we're talking about the benefits of pleasure and and in relationship to all the nuances of of modernity and life that may be derailing that. You know, it, it's actually even more important that we're connected to our bodies, even more important that we are um having sexual experiences that are both satisfying physically and emotionally. Um, because sex is a fantastic stress reliever. Orgasms are fantastic for our health. They really are. Um, they bring us back into balance with ourselves, but they also do some pretty foundational things for our stress levels, the oxytocin levels. And, um, it's, it's just a a great way to offset all the other chronic stress we have in our lives. Mm.
0: Well, you've heard that ladies. (laughs) It's about not just rebalancing, it's about rebalancing what's within. Yeah. It's about rebalancing.
1: Yeah. And knowing yourself, right? So as you are able to increase your pleasure and joy with sex, there's a sense of self-discovery that goes along with it as well, which is going to influence who you are in the world and how other people, um, how you relate to other people. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the benefits are both, um, physical and uh, emotional, but, but in general, across the board, it's. I, I personally, I feel like our relationship to our own sexuality really influences just about every other area of our life. And that if we can bring the focus back to having um, pleasurable experiences sexually, either with ourselves, right? We don't need a partner necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A partner's great. Um but it, or in the context of a relationship, that we are doing something for ourselves that is going to help us better become more resilient in the face of stress, better know ourselves, and um, yeah, I mean, from everything from help us sleep to put us in touch with what our true desires are.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting well wow, That's, i i i believe like the new generation coming in but is a little more free and <laughs> you know the, the ones that are 20s to 30s there's a certain freedom and a certain uh openness now uh, do you yes concept? and no really? you know
1: i think that that's a um that that's a a common conception because mm-hmm. you know the millennial generation um and you know, and the women in their twenties and thirties, we, we live in a very pro-sex culture. A very, it's, I think it's called a hookup culture. Um, is yeah. is the the sociological term for it? Um, Where sex is, you know, you're supposed to be hooking up. You're supposed to be having this empowered experience around sex. Hmm. Um, And the interesting thing is, is that that's not necessarily translating in all scenarios as sexual empowerment across the board. Hmm. You know, there are still high levels of, um, you know, date rape and binge drinking and and poor um, body image issues that women are suffering from. And and you know, and a lot of times, sexless relationships are. You know relationships between people in their late twenties and early thirties mm-hmm. and um and it's not necessarily you know a, a generational thing. I think that um sexless relationships really is is across the gamut of all ages and mm-hmm. relationships
0: mm-hmm. wow, that's uh something to keep tabs on just to see and um what. What are, what are some of the ways? I mean, I mean, we've spoken about empowering oneself, uh-huh. but when we're caught up in a societal or a cultural stigma, so uh-huh. to say, are there any points that you can share with our audience for people who are, you know, fearful or, or still feeling that this is, uh, not, um, right? or proper or you did do, do know what I mean is like there, there's going to be some people that is like, well, you know, like self-stimulation or, or, or actually being the more ag- aggressive one, right. you know, is it's, it's, um, it's tough. It's it's yeah. tough for them.
1: It's going to bring up their issues around not being good enough. Um, shame is a big issue that happens mm-hmm. around sex Um and and you know i i would just say just off the top of my head really thinking about that is is look at that more holistically across the board in your life where else is shame showing up where else are you reluctant um to either take control of a situation or really put yourself first in a situation? Or um, what are other areas of your life where you've experienced a lot of guilt around wanting what you want or having what you have? And and I would just say to stop thinking about it in isolation around sex, but start to think about it in, in the totality of everything and um, begin to look at at shame and begin to look at guilt and begin to look at of being fully expressed in all aspects of your life. And then from there, create um, a structure or discipline around cultivating a relationship with yourself that gives you the freedom to express your sexuality in a, in a mm-hmm. n- normal, healthy, um, proactive way that then both simultaneously works on where else shame and guilt may be showing up in your life while strengthening. Um, your own sexual rapport with yourself or with your partner, however, that shows up for you.
0: Mm, mm, That's a lovely way of looking at it, Jen. Thank you so much for that. I think that's, that's, um, it's, it's not an easy journey. No. For most. No. Because, uh, to, to see who you are, to see those areas that you might consider a weakness, Uh um, is, uh, one of the difficult parts, you know, facing our fears, really.
1: Facing facing our fears, facing the fear that we're not good enough, we're not worthy, we don't deserve this. Um, life isn't meant to be des- pleasurable if we're not suffering, we're not succeeding. Um, there are a lot of mindsets that could go into that. And, it, and this is a very private conversation. And it's very sensitive, particularly for women, because um, so many women experienced sexual assault. Um, yes. And abuse. And this is, you know, and, and, and then, you know, culturally somehow women are shamed mm-hmm. for either having had that happen to themselves and, you know, they brought it on themselves or if they weren't so blah, 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 this wouldn't have happened. Um, and then ultimately too, as a culture, you know, we're not you know, women who are very confident sexually, well, they're sluts or they're, um, you yeah. know, easy or they're whatever, you know, the the label. Sh- the, the, a label that could be around that mm-hmm. too. So there's a lot of cultural conditioning that can complicate this individual relationship. Um, but I would say, just to further expand on what one can do, you know, given that this is such a private topic, and sometimes if you have a great intimacy with your partner, you can really talk to them about it. If you have great relationships with your friends, you can. If you feel safe about it, if you have a therapist, those are great places to talk about this. But I want to address the women who don't have any of that. Maybe they're mm. not, they don't feel safe in their relationship. Maybe they don't have friends that they can be honest with maybe they've never done therapy or they can't afford therapy or they would just never want to do therapy there is one thing we can all do just to to really flesh out these issues of guilt shame and embarrassment that are cultural but also um universal you know pandemic Mm -hmm. um and that is right we all you know have the ability to journal for the most part. If we can read and write, if we have basic literacy skills, we can express ourselves on the written page Mm. and begin to just name what we're feeling and explore well, where does that come from? What would be possible if we shifted? How do we want to feel? What blocks us from having that? What blocks us from making these changes? And writing, I actually think, is a great way to explore um, the personal connection that might be holding someone back from further exploring this, or the underlying subconscious or emotional issues that tug at um, at being more proactive in one's sex life, at asserting oneself without shame or embarrassment Um, and, and and that can be a really great way for women who feel like they don't have resources otherwise, or women who do have resources who are just interested in further exploring this relationship with themselves Mm -hmm. to, um, develop and strengthen their understanding of themselves and their ability to be their own best friend.
0: Mm -hmm. That is a lovely way. Thank you for that, Jen, Mm -hmm. because uh, there are so many women here that cannot afford it or, or even are just as you say embarrassed and right. to bring it up with a friend or anything like that and um uh, that is a really good way is it's journaling really it's journaling, writing it down and and uh going back to it i I think that if if we can get ourselves to that point that one step of just picking up that pen yeah (laughs) you know or anything or or picking up the phone making a call uh um do you know uh i i mean you work with a lot of women are there Uh any um clinics that you know that are in this country that uh, that help women with these sort of issues
1: Um, sure. You know, there are, there are an array of, Mm -hmm. of, um, yeah, I mean, and one, and one thing, when you say that comes to mind that we haven't talked about is actually beyond, um, you know, just like work-life balance and stress and, um, disempowerment, disempowering messages women receive around what it means to be sexual or have a proactive. Relationship with their own sexuality. Uh, and on top of all the psychological and emotional issues that could go into it, like depression or body shame or body hate, another thing that's really relevant um, to women is a lot of women suffer from really painful intercourse. Um, mm. And, um, and, 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 and just pain around having sex. It's just not a pleasurable experience. It's supposed to be, they want it to be, they wish it was, but it's just not. And so there are, um, clinics that specialize in that. Um, Jessica Drummond is a colleague of mine and she has a pelvic health clinic, um, I don't know the name of her website off the top of my head that specializes in pelvic pain. And that is a really big deal. A lot of women are unable to enjoy sex because it's just not as much as they want it to be. is not a pleasurable experience. I know a lot of women who've gone through what I've gone through and have had a hysterectomy are lo- just unable to enjoy sex and, um, painful sex can show up for various reasons. You know, it can be anything from, um, you know, like a, a candida issue could be affecting um, pleasure and sex, to, or or it could go in the more psychological experiences of you know of really still having trauma associated with having been abused. Um, so 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 sexual pain is a really big issue. There are a lot of people out there addressing that. Um, the clinic and the health a women's health network I personally go to is in Maine. Um, it's the women to women's health center and that's run by Marcel Pick. It was founded along with Dr. Christiane Northrup and it was one of the first, um, gynecological centers for women run by women that really addresses the nuances of holistic care for women's health. Um, there in Maine, I know, um, Marcel Pick does phone consults as well, if getting to Maine's a problem. There's also, um, flowliving.com is run by a colleague of mine Alisa VT um she addresses hormonal health for women in their 20s, 30s and 40s and um she she does a um blood sh- hormonal health through blood um balance blood sugar balancing. So she really looks at the nutritional components of how do we eat for a healthy libido? How do we live a life that's in flow? How do we stay connected to our desires? Um, And she has an online program. I think it's like maybe $250 or something that um, targets the diet component of how we can eat for better libido, which is a really, really wonderful thing we can do is really take care of, of our nutritional health so that we're taking excellent care of our adrenal system and our ovaries. And we're getting the right nutrients at the right time of day. And so we're feeling really robust, energetically, physically. And and that's a, a, a great thing that we all, can, I mean, I take such good care of my nutritional health and there's always things that I can be doing to improve it um, even still, and probably always will. And you know, it's just the way it goes. So nutritional supports big, and I know Lisa does a great job with her program um, at Flow Living. And I, Nicole Jardim, who I think you've also interviewed once before. I saw the Yoga Hub had had um, had her on at one point, I believe. Um, she runs a website called I think it's called Fix Your Period. um, dot com. I think that that's mm. her reference. Um, but she again does great work for um, helping women solve hormonal health issues through regulating their menstrual cycles. And I'm just trying to think if there, you know, who else pops into mind, but I do know, um, Dr. Christiane's book, women's, women's bodies, women's wisdom. Um, the latest edition has a ton of references. Um, for what she recommends. Oh, the Yin Ova Center here in New York is acupuncture Mm. for um, hormonal health and fertility. So the acupuncture can address this in many ways, but I would say for women looking for clinical support um, that it's really important to just begin to poke around and see who's in your community. Who's talking about these issues, Mm -hmm. where can they go? Um, I know Mama Gina, uh, you know, runs, I never took it, but people rave about it. A course that's really around embracing more pleasure in their life and that, um, uh, you can look her up, Mama Gina online, just Google her. Um, and yeah, but just going back to your community, who's in your community, that's talking about these things to you. I mean, I know looking back on my childhood where I was having tons of hormonal dysfunction that snowballed itself into cancer by the time I, you know, all my whole story, um, I was going to a gynecologist who like completely and totally utterly dismissed my issues. Every single time I showed up, I was like, Hey, you know, things aren't right. I don't feel well. I'm depressed. Um, I'm having these horrific menstrual cycles. They're not getting better. They're getting worse. What do I do? And he would prescribe me the pill. And then when the pill didn't work, he would change the pill. And when that pill wow. didn't work, he would change the pill again. Mm. And when that didn't work, he thought I should go on to dep- antidepressants. And I know that a lot of women are probably in relationship with their gynecologist where they're not able to talk about what's really happening because their gynecologist is packed they have to wait months to get in. They only have 15 minutes when they're there. It's very clinical. There's, they're not talking about the emotional issues that could be impacting their sexual reproductive health. And so I would really say start with your gynecologist. Mm-hmm. Make sure mm-hmm. you're in rapport with your doctor and that your doctor is able to address all of, you know, the totality of who you are. Look into integrative medicine. I'm an integrative medicine health specialist. I work with women on health and behavior change so that they can implement lasting and long-term changes mm. that will help them keep robust sexual and reproductive health, um, you know, at throughout all of their fertile years and then beyond, you know, like just because we go through men, I mean, I went through menopause when I was 19. If I you know, use menopause as the end of my sexual life, I would have never had one. Like I just wouldn't have, you know, so perimenopause and menopause is not a reason to stop having sex. It's not a reason. It's not the end of your sexual life. Um, So yeah, in my practice, I really work with women on making the lifestyle and the behavior changes that, that, that's possible for them so that they can continue to have a great Mm -hmm. relationship with their sexual and reproductive health throughout the duration of their life. I really feel that it's a cornerstone to a super successful life as a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of resources out there, way too many to really name, but I would say, start with your gynecologist, start with your local community. Um, you know, Dr. Google, (laughs) <laughs> That's a good one, yes. Uh, it's a great uh, way to connect you with the practitioners um, that can heal you, and, 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 and I shouldn't say heal you, help you, help you heal yourself, mm-hmm. help you find deeper healing in your life, um, and then just making sure that you feel really good with the team that you're bringing into your life yes. and that you feel like they get you and that they're patient with you and that um, it's safe a sexual relationship is so much having healthy sexual relationship is really in so many ways around really feeling safe Mm -hmm. to express yourself and explore yourself. And, um, and particularly in these relationships with professionals that are helping us to achieve that, I think that having the safety there is the first place to start Mm -hmm. really feeling Mm -hmm. safe with your um, practitioners is a great place to begin.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, and that's where the work that you do is so wonderful because it's, uh, it's so wonderful to speak to another woman who is such a wonderful guide in so many levels. And I, I agree with you about the nutritional factors and uh, that all adds to the balance of our health. And if we have health and balance, everything flows just that little bit. Bit better. <laughs> yeah.
1: And particularly when we're talking about sensuality, right? Because if mm-hmm. we can find the right relationship to our food and we're eating in a way that's going to help us minimize, like we have stress in our lives. We're never going to get rid of it. That's right. And as a as a matter of fact, the more we assert ourselves, the more we go out there and create the lives we want, the more pushback we'll experience from time to time, and the more stress we'll have in some ways. And that's a good thing. Sometimes overwhelm is the place we want to be because mm-hmm. it means we're making headway. The places that we can really make big gains on stress, I believe, are internally. It's by by having that right relationship with our blood balance, our blood sugar balance, by eating a low glycemic diet, by um, having the right relationship with caffeine. I'm not a fanatic. I don't think that zero caffeine for a lot of people is really um, necessary, though. For mm-hmm. some, it is. But the right relationship to caffeine. So eating before or you have your cup of coffee in the morning, making sure that you're having healthy fats with your meals. Um, and, and really taking care of our nutritional health is actually one of the greatest ways to minimize unnecessary stress in our body. Mm-hmm. Because when we're out of sync with what we're eating and we're eating poorly, we're creating internal stress. So yes. in addition to that external stress that sometimes we cannot control, we can balance, but we can't control it. We're, we're meeting stress with stress by how we're treating our bodies in relationship to that. and um, and the hormonal piece is directly tied to our nutritional piece. And coming back to the pleasure and the enjoyment, when we're able to um, be mindful with how we're eating and enjoy the food we're having and not being on these restrictive diets that are you know, driving us further into adrenal fatigue, etc., we're actually right there. We're starting with more sensuality. We're starting with more pleasure. We're starting with these basic concepts mm-hmm, that... Mm-hmm. Our, our sexual relationship would bring more of into our lives.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Between the nutrition and also the physical activity. Totally. Because I, I find for myself, if I don't get enough physical activity, I feel like a frump. <laughs> you know, it's like everything, the energetic level is like, as they say, energy begets energy, right? Movement begets movement. So, so that it is really the Trinity of, of the nutrition, the physical activity the moments that we take for ourselves, you know, to just stabilize again, to get that balance. Mm. So yes, if if we don't feel good about our bodies, because we are living in them every day, if we don't feel good without our energy, it kind of all goes hand in hand.
1: Yeah, Dr. Tal Ben Shahar says not exercising is like taking an antidepressant. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's good. That's good. And and on
1: the topic of exercise, because that is um, a sore point for so many women, I would say yes, exercise, and do it in a way that's joyful. Yes. Do it in a way that feels good for you. If that's like putting on your headphones and taking a power walk, go for it. If that's turning on your music and dancing for 15 minutes in the morning, awesome. If there's something more established and routine that you do, run with it, pun intended, have fun, but make sure that pleasure is a part of that as well.
0: Right. 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 It's, it has to be connected with pleasure. Yeah. When people hear exercise, they think, oh, you know, it's like, oh, I have to go pump weights. I got to go to the gym. I don't have time. But what you just said, just turn on that music. If you like to dance, just dance. Yeah, right. Do a little Zumba, as they call it, which I haven't tried yet. I've got to try that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm kind of afraid to try it, but maybe this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll both try it. We'll come back online yeah. and see yeah. we we'll share a Zumba experience because, you know, that's moving that Kundalini energy, honey. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. But
1: even like pelvic rocks, you know, just like swirling your hips, that sort of thing, you know, is a great way to get in touch with the sexual energy, the Kundalini mm-hmm. energy, if you will, but also begin to subtly move your body can be as simple as that.
0: Lubrication. (laughs) This is a really, really wonderful. You've just filled us with so much information, Jen. It's uh, thank you so much. Is there anything that you would like to still share that we might not have touched upon?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would just say to, um, trust, trust your process, allow it, allow, embrace your curiosity Mm-hmm. If I was like going back to the one percent piece that we had talked about in a different interview, if you were one percent more invested in your pleasure, if you were one one percent more invested in your in your sexual health, if you're one percent more invested in developing that level of intimacy with yourself or with your partner, what would you do different? Mm-hmm. What would you do different, and what would that be like and get curious you know this is really about self discovery it 's about on. It's about positivity. It's about great um, physiological responses to peak experience, both hormonally and physically. And, and it's, 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 this is the good stuff in life. So get curious about it. If, if you were 1% more invested in it, what would that feel like? What would be possible for you? What would change in your life? Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. let it be a, 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 an experience of pleasure and, and exploration and, and joy and, 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 and allow yourself to trust yourself on that
0: process. Yes, yes, yes. That's a, a lovely way to cap this. And I agree. I absolutely agree. All right, so I'm going to start now. No, <laughs> 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 Thank you so much, Jen. I, Thank this you. has been a really wonderful moment. And uh, I, I look forward to the questions and, and all that might be coming in. It's, it's a, quite a broad topic. And we've covered a lot today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, uh, of course, uh, we'd like to thank Segovia Smith and the Yoga Hub team for making this all possible, and to each and every one of you for joining us on this new platform of education and information. I also want to let you know that um, uh, Jen has this wonderful series on our show, Empowerment Through Positive Psychology, and the series is I Am Woman. So, those of you who enjoyed this talk, we invite you to watch i am woman and uh, we are always grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better we invite you to join us tuesdays for magical medical tour wednesdays for Trinity of life followed every other week with flowing into awareness and the shows that are here and uh Right here in our path is uh, empowerment through positive psychology, decoding nutrition. I mean, and so many more meditation madness. Please join us. Check out our online network. And, uh, once again, uh, you can find, uh, Jennifer Resiopi at jenniferResiopi.com and follow her on Twitter at Jen Reciopi we thank you for joining us and we invite you to give us a call share your feedback and comments just by calling us at 818 let's talk 818 let's talk so until next time namaste